Welcome to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope you are equipped by this message from Pastor Tom Lively. For more information about our church, please visit foundationchurchfl.com. How are you doing with that one hour loss of sleep? Amen. Amen. Listen, I call you guys a Presbyterian church one Sunday and you fixed everything. I've been watching you ever since. <laughs> I looked across, man. Every hand in the room was up. And I'm like, hey, that's, I guess, I know how to treat this service. <laughs> you guys need to be maligned. And maybe the 11, 11 o'clock needs to be, I don't know, coddled. I have no idea. They don't. But you know. we are taking the attack to them. Really, I told you this last week. You can sum up this entire message series with Proverbs 23:7. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Because however it is that you think of Christianity is who you are in Christ. That's however you think of it. You're like, no, the Bible determines that. If you don't know it, then how can you think it? For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Now we're taking the attack to who? A lot of you are already bothered. Take the attack. What kind of church is this? Attack? Lisa, you need to read the Bible and get the mindset of the Bible. You're not gonna live in victory. In this modern era where we, we can sing that song, though, though some may leave you, still I will follow. This time is emblematic of that. Many people right now are not following Christ. They're following their church ideologies. They're following what their pastor says to do, but they're not following the word of God. See, we take the attack to them because that's biblical. Being aggressive is biblical. Aaron, say it. A lot of people think God is in control. No, he relinquished control to you. If, you. if you give me the keys to your car and you say, hey, Tom, drive it, who's in control? You gave me the keys. There's nothing you can do once I get behind the wheel. Even if you're sitting right next to me, what are you gonna do, grab the wheel? You know, you're gonna take us both off the road? You have no brakes over there? I'm in control. I can just punch it and go 120 miles an hour. There's not a thing you can do about it. And the faster I go, the less in control you are. Jesus said, Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, I Christians think God's in control. No, he gives you all the power for you to be in control. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Amen. Nothing. There's nothing that you're vulnerable to outside of being killed for Christ. That's it. You can fly wherever you want to fly. Where's my buddy Dave? You can go into any ocean you want to go into. He knows what I'm talking about. I'm only making fun of him because he can take it. I won't do that to all of you, maybe. <laughs> There's nothing to be afraid of. You can do whatever it is that you want to do. You want to go parachuting today? Go sign up. You'll land on the ground nice and safe if you know the word of God. If you're up there going, Lord, it's all in your hands. He's going, you're not reading your Bible. You're supposed to take control of it. You're supposed to say those things. Whatever you bind is bound. Whatever you loose is loose. Not what God binds, what you bind. You have to say the words. You have to take action. It's been given to you. Well, that doesn't sound like I'm yielding to the Lordship of God. You absolutely are because this is the Lordship of God. You're yielding to the Bible, which is Jesus. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. Jesus is the Bible. He is the Word of God. If you're yielding to what it says, you are the ultimate in humility. If you're somebody who's taking the attack to them, you are humble. If you're somebody who goes, you know, I'm just, you know, God's in control. I'm just a twig on the river of life. You're actually falsely humble. You're actually full of pride, because you know what, you're God. You should get an image of yourself, get some candles underneath it, let incense arise to you. We're taking the attack to who and to what? To the enemy, to the props of the enemy, to our own carnality, to sickness, illness, disease, and infirmity, and to lack. We take the attack to those things. 
We don't sit back and go, you know, I mean, I want you to think about it. There's a lot of Christians who must think it's the will of God to be a victim of the devil. They don't take the attack to the enemy. He's given you all authority to trample on the devil. He's given you all authority to trample on the props of the devil. Over sickness, illness, disease, infirmity, or lack, he's given you everything. But too many Christians have created their own gospel. I'm telling you flat out, folks, it, it's, it's not surprising that he, and, he who endureth unto the end shall be saved. Matthew 10, 22. He that endureth unto the end will be saved. There's gonna be a lot of very, very shocked people who follow their own doctrine straight to hell. On the day of judgment, they're like, you know what? I was in Pastor Skinny Jean's church. He told me I was all right. He had the extra shell necklace on. He had to be coming with authority if you got a shell necklace on or you got a couple rips in your jeans. You have to be speaking in authority. They certainly had a large congregation, so you know what? They must have had authority. No, they heaped to themselves teachers having itching ears. That's what happened. That's what's, this is why most churches are still closed. What's the date today? 14th, we're on it. Tomorrow's 365 days of 15 days to flatten the curve. And there's churches that are voluntarily closed. They're happy to do it because they're falsely humble. They're full of pride because they don't read the Bible. They've created their own Jesus, a palatable Jesus. What's palatable mean? You coat just about anything in chocolate, I'll eat it. <laughs> or cheese. Just, I'll, I'll even eat broccoli. If you do that whole cheese thing with it, you know, you got the cheese on cheese all over it and then the, uh, the bread crumbs on top of it and it's all like kind of a cake. I'll even eat broccoli then. You make it palatable for me. That's what most people do with Jesus. They create their own so that he's palatable. He's, he's a Jesus that makes you feel perfectly comfortable in doing nothing. No, oh, it's not my responsibility. Come what may, God is in control. I trust the sovereignty of God. Okay, you're 0 for 4 with your family. First child not saved, second child not saved, third child not saved, fourth child not saved, and everything's fine. It wasn't you. It's all, that's all just part of the sovereignty of God who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth, 1 Timothy 2, 4, and nobody's saved in your house, and that's somehow the sovereignty of God. That's how pe people create their own Jesus because it's easier and it feels good. He brings me, you know, he brings me comfort in defeat. That's not his job. He's not to comfort you in defeat. Now thanks be unto God, which always causes you to triumph in Christ. So how can the Christ bring you comfort in defeat? I didn't say he doesn't bring you comfort in mourning. I said defeat. You're caused to triumph. When, listen, people are gonna die around you and you're gonna mourn. He'll bring you comfort in that. He may bring you comfort in other people's defeat who don't stand in 2 Corinthians 2.14, who's always caused us to triumph in Christ. But he doesn't bring you comfort and defeat, he's caused you to triumph. But it's way more palatable. Wait a minute, you see, it's so funny to me is this. It's most Christians vote conservative, but they believe Jesus is liberal. It's absolutely true. Most Christians don't give sacrificially to their churches, but pay their taxes, that's awfully sacrificial. I know that 28% of what I make goes to Joe Biden for him to disperse to his liberal governors to bail them out. 28%, gone, and we can't give the church to give 10? Whoops. Just listen, if that's you, just go sign up to be a Democrat. And you're like, what on earth did I walk into? I'm never coming back here. This is, what past, this is how pastors should be preaching. I'm unencumbered, I, I have no motive. None. I have no ulterior motive except to dispel pellets of truth and 
things that come out of my beautiful mind. That's it. <laughs> it's just amazing to me how liberal, conservative Christians think Jesus is. They, they'll pay their taxes and then jump people's cases because, well, here I am, I'm paying everybody's taxes, paying for everybody in the ghetto, I'm paying all their welfare. But you come to church and pay nothing. You're on welfare here, liberal, you Democratic Party member. And some people leave the church last time I said things like that. They don't care. You know why they left? Because they don't give. Oh, here's a pastor after my money. Really? Think I'm after your money? Do you think that? Again, I'll tell you just flat out for transparency's sake. I make $25,000 a year less here than I made as a deputy sheriff, as a sergeant with the Sarasota County Sheriff's Office. So if I was after your money, I'd give myself a promotion. I'm, I hereby promote myself to Lieutenant of Foundation Church. Boom. <laughs> But people make themselves a palatable Jesus that fits into their theology. A liberal sort of peacenik. And it's just so funny that all the conservative Christians follow him. Is he really a liberal progressive peacenik? I mean, it is funny that you have war hawk conservatives come in who wanna bomb everybody into oblivion and then come in and say, you know what? Jesus is all about peace. And you follow him? How, do, how is it that your house is divided? Let's see, is he a peacenik? Let's go over these verses quickly. Matthew 10, 34. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace on earth. Whoops. Hebrews 4, 12. For the word, which is Jesus, is quick, powerful, sharp, piercing, dividing, and discerning. Matthew eleven twelve. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. What does that mean? You're supposed to be spiritually violent. You want to win your country back? You had better learn to pray in specificity and in violence. What do you want to happen in the next week, the next month, the next year? What do you want to happen in the next election? You better pray it specifically or it's not going to happen. There is no overarching sovereignty of God outside of Jesus' return, Matthew 24, 36. No one knows about the day or hour except the Father. Not even the angels nor the Son, but only the Father. There is no, everything else depends on the church. I gave you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. It's not gonna happen unless the church does it. God always works through a vessel, every time. He had to have a vessel come in and usher Jesus in, and that's John the Baptist. And then he had to encase his own son in flesh for him to be his vessel. God could just do it, but he doesn't. It's not his way. Well, I don't understand it. It's not up for you to understand his ways, his thoughts are above ours. Isaiah 55, 8, 9, he chooses vessels. Well, I don't really like the vessel. Tom, you're one of those vessels. He chooses you. I don't really care for you. Well, that's tough. Has God called you here? He's not letting you go back to Pastor Skippy verses. You know, don't try. My wife gets on me about this, and you know, I, I love her, but I don't really care what she says about my preaching either. I'll preach whatever it is that I want. I know she's in here, are you looking at her right now? Oh no, oh he's in trouble now, I'm not in trouble. Don't go back. Just stop warning people about going back. I'm warning you, don't go back. You left your, listen, even if you're driving here an hour and skip verses is 12 minutes from your house, skip, skip, and get here. <laughs> Drive it. It's all part of living in Florida. Everything's 30 minutes away, minimum, boom. Everything. Some of you are spoiled rotten because Inglewood built some stores since you lived here. You lived here, see, Terry's laughing because she's been here as long as I have. When I was in high school, there's nothing here. You wanted anything, you drive to Sarasota. There was no mall in Port Charlotte. There's nothing, that was all woods. You know what Jackaran in 41 was? Woods. I used to drive from Port Charlotte right over here next to the El Joe Bean Bridge is where I lived. I drove up to Venice Assembly of God. 
It's like 38 minutes every Sunday, every Wednesday, every Sunday night. We're spoiled now. We don't even do Sunday nights anymore. So is he really a peacenik? Let's look. How does Jesus speak? Does he speak according to the ways of the modern church? I'm telling you flat out, most Christians, if they knew Jesus personally, wouldn't follow him. You know how you meet him personally? You read about him. You read what he said. This word is alive. It's really even, I take back what I said, it's not really even reading about it, it's reading him. Because his word is powerful, it's actually alive. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are alive. John 6, 63. So how does he speak? Matthew 23, 13. Speaking to the, the hypocrites and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you make them twice as much a son of hell as you are. Most Christians follow that today. Matthew 23, 27. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. For you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead man's bones and all uncleanness. That's how Jesus speaks. People think I'm mean. I don't think I've ever called somebody a, a whitewashed tomb. I've called them jerks, called them stupid. I don't think I've ever called anybody a son of hell. So I categorize Jesus worse than me. Worse. He's worse. John 15, 6. Listen to how Jesus talks. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. And the Calvinists all think that they're out there living a homosexual or fornicating lifestyle. They got saved when they were seven. They all think they're going to heaven. Because once saved, always saved. Who brought that up? You believe that? Don't shout out. You can argue with me at the door if you want, but you better know your Bible, because I do. I've got all these verses memorized, every one of them I just told you. If anyone does not remain in me, well, he was never saved to begin with. How does that make sense with the word remain? It's literally like trying to explain COVID graphs to somebody who really wants to believe that COVID is a grievous threat to them. You can show them all the truth you want. No, I don't believe it. I just told you, listen, you're 41 years old. If you caught COVID, if I spit a COVID loogie into your mouth, <laughs> there, I woke some of you up, and you caught full-blown COVID in five minutes, the odds of you ever experience, experiencing a symptom, a symptom, are 23%. Of ever experiencing a symptom, 76% of people infected by COVID never know it. You know that? 85% of all COVID tests are false positives. Facts. Here. You can, tell, you can tell people that all you want. I can show them to them. I can show you the graphs. California versus Florida. Florida versus New York. States with no masks or lockdowns versus the ones that do. Have the exact same graph. Looks just like this. All starts like this, and it peaks out and goes back down. Every time, and the ones with the highest peaks are the ones who destroy their immunity via lockdowns and mask wearing. Show them all. I've got all the graphs. Aaron, they, Aaron the people who produce the podcast, which is Aaron and Tommy, my son, they probably hate the graphs that I bring in. I bring them from Ian Miller, I am, a capital I, capital M on Twitter. He compares every state, every country. All of them look exactly the same. You want the highest peak, you want the most infections, you want the most deaths, strap masks on. You'll get most people to die. 76% of all COVID cases are caught in the home, your personal home. And where do they send you? Well, let's lock you down your home then. The worst thing you could ever hear is, hi, we're from the government, we're here to help. Ronald Reagan. How does Jesus talk? Matthew 3, 11 and 12. Actually, it's John the Baptist talking. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to carry. But he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner. But he will, he will, who will? Jesus will. Burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. John chapter 5, verse 22. Jesus, the bongo playing, tie-dye wearing, all tolerant, 
all accommodating hippie? He, he throws people into unquenchable fire? He's the judge? Uh, yeah. See, I told you. A lot of people are sold a bill of goods. They would never get saved if you preached the gospel to them. So how many of them are really saved? I don't know. I really don't. If you're saved here, you're really saved because you hear the truth. You're like, do I want that guy? Yeah, I want that guy. The COVID caving church goers think of Jesus and the gospel as, you know, don't do life alone. You read their website? I got them all. Growth tracks. We'll get you on a growth track. What does that mean? I'm going to grow you straight to hell is what they usually mean. Get you on the growth track. Get you in a cell group. Fall festivals and Halloween alternatives. You know what's so funny to me? Are all the Christians that think because they cast down Santa Claus or Harry Potter that they're shaking the kingdom of heaven. You're like, Tom, don't get on Harry Potter. Listen. I've never been to a Harry Potter. I don't know one character in the movie except for Harry Potter because he's in the title. <laughs> we never let Harry Potter in the house. We drew the line there. But you know what's so funny is? Is that the same people that bar Harry Potter will watch fornication unending. Like, see, if I take a big stand on Harry Potter... Say me and Daniel are talking, and, he, and I, he's with, he's watch, he watches Harry Potter, and I don't, I get all over him, Dan, you can't do that. Come on. And he's like, well, prove it to me in scripture, or prove it to me in your lifestyle. He comes over to my house and watches me watch King of Queens with Kevin James. Fornication everywhere, cussing everywhere. So which one's worse, sorcery or fornication? They're both hell bound. So if I take a big stand like that, now I'm not talking about living in fornication or living, I'm talking about watching. Are we smart to watch fornication? No. Are we smart to watch sorcery? No. But if you're going to jump on one, then you better be living it. You therefore have no excuse. You pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Romans chapter 2 verse 1. So don't bother with it. It's the same people all over Santa Claus, but have stockings hung by the chimney with care, with hope that St. Nick, I guess, won't come there. <laughs> what are you doing? And if you're going to just shut up about it then. Christians think they're shaking the kingdom of heaven because they take a stand on Santa Claus or they're King James only. This is a King James Bible right here. It's what I prefer. I'm just telling you that it means nothing to God. Oh, I only believe in singing uh, hymns. Means nothing to God. Hymns back then were the songs of today. People didn't like the hymns. Hey, what are you thinking? You're getting off track. Study the word and let him open doors. Look at how great we are. We have trunk or treat instead of trick or treat. Oh, wow, you really fooled God. You're not, you're not honoring Halloween in any way, shape, or form a trunk or treat. You bunch of clowns, just call it what it is. You're a clown. It means nothing. Well, we, you know, it's trunk or treat, yeah, but you do it October 31st and everybody's got costumes on. You know what I did? Send my kids out trick-or-treating. I don't care. Got quiet on that. You're afraid to stand with me on that. You're afraid. Even though you sent your kids out, you still won't say it because it's not culturally acceptable inside the church. You know what shouldn't be culturally acceptable inside the church? Sin. Not trick-or-treating. I hate to tell you. There's all kinds of Christians watching porn who are against Santa Claus. Good luck with that on the day of judgment. You better, you better have just gone and sat on fat St. Nick's lap. Go sit there. You're better sitting on his lap every day than sinning. See, these are things when you get into part and parcel, these things, this is what Paul was talking about to the church at Corinth. Some people eat food sacrificed idols, some don't. Whatever it is that you do, commit to it because food doesn't matter. Because the kingdom of God is more than eating or drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. 
Notice, I'm not talking about sin. I'm not telling you to go lust or lie. Go straight to hell for it if that's how you live. I'm talking about superficial, ceremonial things that people now, what happens is you come in and you confuse the unrighteous. You confuse them. You mix up what is actually sin with what is actually tradition. They think Halloween is sin. It's not sin. Santa Claus, listen, unless you have no tree, no ornaments, no stockings, it's all pagan, folks. I hate to tell you that. Easter eggs, pagan. Easter bunny, pagan. Christmas decorations, pagan. Christmas ornaments, pagan. Christmas stockings, pagan. Christmas trees, pagan. Oh, that's a symbol of the cross. How's that a symbol of the cross? I love how Christians will do anything to justify anything. Why don't you just say what it is? It's a meaningless or pagan symbol. That's your choice, meaningless or pagan. For most of us, it's really a meaningless thing. It's part of, it's the holiday tradition. I had no idea. Well, Halloween, to me, as a child, had nothing to do with the devil. I dressed up as a $6 million man. Remember that, those of you in my age bracket? You had to get the plastic mask and walked around, $6 million man. How's that the devil? Wore the costume for as long as I could until it just absolutely wear off my body. We're making a big stand. We're anti-Santa. Congratulations. Who's getting saved? Who's, who's, you know, like, and how people will parallel that is, well, I cuss all the time, and then who's getting, and I'm okay with it because people are getting saved. No, you're violating the word of God by cussing all the time. Shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 16. But now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, filthy language out of your mouth. That's out of Colossians. It's not just two very different things between sin and goofy tradition. Understand that, please. It's a whole lot different going and sitting on Santa's lap than it is going to a strip club. Well, I go to a strip club, but I win the loss. Yeah, you're going to die and go straight to hell. I don't care how many people you've won. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not done many wonderful works in your name? Very different. But Christian COVID cavers out there, and you're like, Tom, do you always have to talk about COVID? Well, listen, I'll stop when every time I go to Home Depot, 99% of the people are no longer wearing masks, including all the Christians. They're about growth tracks, COVID caving churches, don't do life alone, better together. <laughs> Handing out donuts to pro-choice educators. We're bringing, we're bringing muffins to the schools today. What does that do? We're serving our community. Who told you to serve your community? You're like, Tom, this, that's your, I want you to find it. Find it. Churches are founded on serving their communities. Find it. You're supposed to serve the lost or win them? Whoops! You're supposed to win the lost or enable them with your food pantries. Now, how dare you speak against food pantries? You're speaking against the homeless. Let me just tell you about the homeless in America. You don't know them as well as I do unless you're in law enforcement for 25 years. You don't know them. You think you know them. You don't know anything. Oh, you know, I, I'm always that one. I give, the, I give a dollar to whoever it is. You know, I'm standing there, the guy with his sign at Clark and 75. Get off 75, he's standing there. He can take his sign and shove it up his rear end. He's making $80,000 a year standing there. You don't believe me? It's absolutely true. A lot of those guys, they'll put away their signs and go and jump in their Camaros and drive home. Oh, Tom, no, it's, it's absolutely true. You know him? You've been in law enforcement? I talked to him, you? I'm the one who drove up to him and said, get your butt out of here. Whoop, county ordinance. Leave or you're getting in the back of this. Okay. Just goes and finds another spot. 
That's the homeless. You, you tell me to marry. I'm not, listen, I'm not talking about the ones on the street screaming at themselves with a tinfoil hat on. I know that, you know lunatics better than me too? 25 years, 1992 to 2017 straight, 25 years in a day. I've dealt with more lunacy than most of you in this room combined. That's, where, that's mostly what law enforcement is. Responding to lunatics to protect you from having to deal with them. I dealt, listen, I dealt with people who hadn't taken a shower in that year. You wouldn't touch them. I'm rolling around on the ground with them. Their nasty, unshaven, shirtless body coming across my face. Yeah, that's law enforcement. People covered in poop. Well, that doesn't happen. Yeah, it does. They're crazy. They think they're tribal with it. You're like, what does this have to do with the message? I don't know. The church isn't here to serve the community. The church is here to be a shining city on the hill that the community wants to get to. You don't go and make the body of Christ subservient to the community. That's, see, that's why all the churches closed because they consider themselves a Burger King. They're no different. We're a Wendy's. Wendy's closes, we closed. Porn shop closed, we closed. Coffee house closed, we closed. You're the body of Christ. You're the building where the body of Christ gathers and you closed? That's why, that's why the church is closed, is because they think they're there to serve the community. You're here to serve one another. Whether you like it or not, it's Galatians 6.10, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto those who are of the household of Christ. Doesn't mean you don't do good for people. Doesn't mean you don't stop and help people. You absolutely do show the love of Christ. But you're not there to be subservient to the lost. Modern church thinks things like, we're understanding but not condemning. Great. First of all, what does that even mean? That's like build back better. What are you even talking about? What do you mean? Understanding, not condemning. What that should read is understanding but not convicting. See, the modern church confuses conviction with condemnation. I'm feeling something here, like I should stop sinning. I'm feeling condemned. I'm feeling condemned. No, you're feeling convicted. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But when he comes, when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. That's what you're feeling, the Holy Spirit. If you're feeling somebody telling you that you're worthless and that you're to be deemed to be torn down, That's condemnation, deemed worthless and unredeemable. If you're hearing somebody tell you, I want you, but you need to stop sinning, that's conviction. In the modern church, we're here to make sure everyone knows we're not racist. If you need to tell somebody you're not racist, you probably are. Every time some event happens, every time there's some event where some cop does something to some minority person, here comes Pastor Skinny Jeans with his special racial service. What did I preach when George Floyd got killed? Or George Floyd died? He died of a fentanyl overdose. I need to quit saying killed. He wasn't killed. He died of a fentanyl overdose. That's it. By the way, look at me. That's it. Had nothing to do with asphyxiation. Nothing. Where do you get that from? Just the coroner's report, but never let the truth get in the way of your ideology. Like, Tom, you're saying that because you're a cop. No, listen, I would not have handled that call that way. Understand that. There could be potential criminal charges, but it's not any degree of murder or manslaughter. Understand that. There's maybe civil liabilities and that George Floyd's family just got $27 million. So they've already got the civil. But he died of a fentanyl overdose only. He did not die because he was deprived of oxygen. Understand that, that's the truth. 
Now the question will be, will a judge have the courage to uphold the truth? Or are they gonna decide, decide conviction, acquittal, or innocence? Or are they gonna decide it based on the consequences of their decision? You don't do that. You do what's true no, true, no matter what. You do what's right no matter what. Forget about the consequences. People don't like you, you do what's right. People gossip about you, you do what's right. But everybody in the church kowtows to the social justice rage mob. Well, we're a mostly white church or an all-white church, so we gotta tell everybody we're not racist. You can take that and shove that up your rear end with a stick. I'm not doing it. I don't need to tell people I'm not racist. I don't care what you think. That's the modern church, creating safe places, community partners and good neighbors. You've heard me say that 4,700 times in the last year. So I said we weren't supposed to serve or be subservient to the community. Are we supposed to partner with them? Partner with who? The church partners with who? The Chamber of Commerce? Listen, you, go, you business people in here, you should go partner. Don't be unequally yoked, I don't, and I don't mean yoke yourself together. You wanna be part of groups where you generate business? Go get it, have, go do it. It's great for the church, you're making more money for the church if you're one of the few that tithes. You're welcome. But Tom, that's bothering me. We'll start tithing, then it won't bother you anymore. You'll be, you'll be healed. <laughs> Tithing's easy. What's 10%? Just put it in there. Don't think about it. Well, what if this and what if that? Now you're getting into that's your yes, BS, your no, be no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. Matthew chapter 5, verse 37. Put it in there. Well, my husband won't let me tithe. You tithe on whatever you can, whatever you make. He doesn't want to tithe? Let the devil have his finances because that's exactly what's going on. That's why you have the richest people in the world basically financing the mark of the beast right now. I won't get into that right now, maybe. <laughs> Community partners, good neighbors. Second Corinthians chapter six, verse 17 says this, come out from among them and be separate. So how am I supposed to partner? Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. So if I partner with the community, Planned Parenthood didn't even close down. They were aborting all throughout. You know, abortion, how many, we, you know, it's amazing that all other diseases have disappeared off the planet except for COVID and abortion. Abortion rate remained exactly the same in 2020 as it was in 2019, exactly the same. You know why? Because they never closed. People locked up at home making babies and going and getting abortions. It's exactly what was happening. This Democratic Party dream Trump cut $600 million from Planned Parenthood. They made it all up with COVID babies that they all got to butcher. I'm not partnering with that. You want to partner with it? You answer to God. I'm not partnering with people like that. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Whoops. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common or what fellowship can light have with darkness? 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. Do not love the world or anything in the world. Partner with them? Tell God, the word of God tells me not, not to love them, and I'm supposed to partner with them? Submit myself to them? Serve them? If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For the everything, everybody say everything out loud. Everything, for everything in the world. The cravings of the sinful nature, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. James 4.4, 4, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God? Christians today read everything but the Bible. They believe everything but the Bible. Most Christians in most churches to just go ahead and call the Democratic Party platform their Bible. So all they talk about is unity. Unity with my tyranny. No, thank you. I just believe the Bible. Tom, why do you keep harping on this stuff? Because it all starts with how you think. It all starts with how you think. Are you a, let's do life together? Accommodation, Christian? Are you a, a, take, a take the attack to them, Christian? Which mindset? You can't have both. You cannot serve two masters. 
No man can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one or love the other. Or he'll hold to the one and despise the other. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, Jesus speaking. You cannot serve both. You can't be a church fam Christian and then take an attack to them Christian. You can't be both. You're one or the other. You're more loving if you're an attacker. I got one quiet yeah from Pete. I know his voice. Now the rest of you are afraid. You're afraid to say yeah to things that are biblical. Because you've been taught non-biblical things by non-biblical churches. The Bible is a radical war document. You are meant to conquer. We are more than conquerors. Romans chapter 8 verse 37. You know that, right? There's a twig on the river of life. How does that coincide with the Bible? Tom, you're yelling again, I know. How can you be more than a conqueror? How can, again, it comes down to the same thing. Christians are conservative everywhere but the church. And don't tithe. Tithe for God is bigger and better. We've ever had right now, you guys are number one. It's not close. So, Tom, why are you yelling at us? I'm yelling at the one who's not giving. I'm not even talking to you. I'm yelling at the person sitting next to you who doesn't. I'm so offended. Pull your thumb out of your mouth and knock it off. You're 60. How much longer are you going to be offended? I found out somebody stormed off and left the church. Uh, I don't know, Thursday I think it was. They're gone. I'm not offended. Completely wrong, but enjoy your life. You produce nothing. You're not winning the loss. You're not doing anything else. But you just keep on that track because you're offended. It all starts with how you think. This is what Mike Tyson said. Ready? In the face. That happened to me. Halt in the name of the law. <laughs> Try it. Come with me. I remember taking this guy. I'm escorting him to my car. And he just headbutts me right in my face. Boom. Right here. I, was, I think I was out cold on the way down because we both went down. I don't remember too much of the fall on the way down. Hey, get hit in the face. Whoa, you know what? Not everybody cares I have a badge on. Whoops! I was telling Tommy this story the other night. When I, when I first went to law enforcement, it was 1992, I was in field training. You had to spend 16 weeks in the car with another cop after the police academy. And we were up in Newtown, which is an entirely black community. And there was this huge crowd of people gathered, 1,000 people, no kidding. And we drove up into it, and it was in the city of Sarasota, which really isn't our jurisdiction, but we saw it. And I, of course, being as dumb as I was, because I'd, I'd never sat in a police car in my life, I'm five weeks in. I just pull right into the crowd, and the crowd completely surrounds the car, and my field training officer's like. <laughs> and I jump out, and what was going on was a pit bull fight. They were dog fighting. Right? Oh, I know, yeah. I love dogs, too, but that's what was going on. So they're having a pit bull fight. Very calm, right out in the middle of the street. Nobody cared then. This is before, you know, Michael Vick and all that stuff. Before you go to prison longer for killing a dog than a person, but that's beside the point. But anyway, so I jump out. What is going on here? <laughs> and I couldn't distinguish between mother Fs and Fs, but I was told to get back in my car as they continued to do what they were doing. 
They didn't care what I thought. Honestly, didn't. Now, SPD pulled up. They're all scared of SPD because SPD would punish you on the street. I'll just leave it at that. You might get an extra little thumpity thump if you don't do what they say. So SPD pulls up and they all scattered away. See, the thing is, I jumped out. I didn't know that I was in a war. I didn't think, I didn't, there's people who disregard law enforcement. I, how many of you, when you get pulled over by a cop, your, your heart's pumping, you're scared? That's how I grew up. I'm still like that. But they don't care. It's got nothing to do with skin color. It has to do with culture. I pulled up the white people don't care either. That's the guy who headbutted me in the face. He didn't care. And a girl punched me, white girl punched me right in the face. She didn't care either. I went up, she was in a fist fight. I go, stop, sheriff's office. <laughs> nothing to do with skin culture. Skin color has everything to do with culture. That's it. But do you think that you don't know you're in a war? You're already conquered. You're done. You're in a war and you don't even know it. Most Christians are producing nothing. They don't win the lost. You're not producing just because you attend a coffee conversation with somebody about your victimhood. Well, I'm going to meet Shirley at the coffee house and we're going to discuss what a horrible mother my mother was. You're 70. Your mom's dead. She's dead. Let it go. You think, you think you're growing by doing that? Why, why don't you crucify your flesh and your feelings and study the Bible and let God open doors? He will. You pray for it, pray to be active in sharing your faith, Philemon 1.6. But I thought this was all about getting together for coffee and discussing my victimhood and discussing I have no responsibility because God's in control and discussing that God is greater than my sin. The sin you refuse to repent of? You think he's greater than that? Do you? Yeah, he's greater, but you're not. God, I love I love. The great swelling words of emptiness, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 18. The great swelling words of emptiness that lure people through the lust of the flesh into hell. God is greater than my sin. Don't, don't you judge me, you hear from the pulpit. Don't, we're not going to judge you. God is greater than your sin. If you're living with your girlfriend today, God is greater than your sin. You're addicted to porn. God is greater than your sin. You're a filthy mouth gossip, stirring up dissension among brothers. God is greater than your sin. Of course, if you're you know, a child predator, you're gonna die and go straight to hell. But everything else, or you're a racist, same thing. Pedophile racist, same thing. Oh, they're all hell bound. But me look, lusting and looking at porn, every, oh no, I'm going to heaven. Because God is greater than my sin. I love these great swelling words of emptiness that usher people. They picture, picture a church usher. You know, the ones at churches where they're, you know, they have to usher you to your seats. They got the name tag on, Carl, whatever is laid there. <laughs> Bill, Tom, whatever. There they are, there's an usher, and they usher you to. Just picture that being demons. Ushering people right into the worm-ridden hell that all these people will end up who, who spouse theologies. Like God is greater than my sin. He is, but you're not. You have to lump it onto him through repentance. Amen. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26 and 27. If we deliberately keep on sinning, after, everybody shout after, after we have received the knowledge of the truth. Yeah, but she's hot, man. Hell's hotter. Might want to keep that in mind. That's where, listen, talking to the men. Seven minutes to go, everybody with me? You sure you're with me? All right. Most men will go to hell for lust. I don't care how old you are. I love sometimes, I get, I get expressions from people. I look around the room, you don't think I am, but I'm looking at your faces. And I look at, there's like, 
50 or 60 year old men looking at, oh, I'm so past that bull crap you are. Bull crap. There's all kinds of sexual sin and even sex crimes that go on in nursing homes. Men never get over it. Men, listen, I don't care what, listen, get ready. I don't care what people say. Men are different than women. I'll give you an example. It's going to embarrass my wife, but I'll give you an example. <laughs> never, we've been married, we'll be 25 years December 7th. So we've been married for that many years. Never in those 24 and 24 years and three months. <laughs> Never. Not one time. I always am going out of my way to see her naked. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, oh. God's coming. <laughs> what was that? Because I went back too far. Answers. Oh, we'll oh. I didn't know you were getting under. That never happens for me. Men are different. I don't care what the transgender rage mob says. They're different. And ladies, again, I'm going to... You're married? Stop with your 12-step program to get your clothes off for your husband. You got to jump through 12 hoops to get there. He walked the aisle... He's there. Gets quiet. And you men are so scared. You're so coward. Come on. Just step up in there with me. Get in there. Program in my house? No way. I'm not doing that. I'm not washing the dishes for sex. Yeah, it doesn't work anyway. Then you got another you got another 11 steps after that. You got to change 12 diapers, you got to wash this, you got to vacuum that. You got to tell me you love me 47 times. Come on, let's just get it on. Knock it off. Jeez. <laughs> I'm trying to help you. This is only for married people by the way. The rest of you keep your clothes on. Marriage therapy 101, so that nobody ends up asking me for counsel on marriage, because I hate it. <laughs> God is not greater than your sin. You'll carry it or he'll carry it. You decide. And then what do you do? You've got, you have somebody that tells you that they're sinning. What do you do? Well, you know, God understands. No, he doesn't. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, be perfect, therefore, just as your heavenly Father is perfect. He does not understand. If he understood, then why is everybody going to hell? Why is narrow is the way and few find it? If he's so understanding, explain, God's greater than your sin. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Why is it that he does, why, how can he not care? He does care. And it doesn't matter whether anybody else knows it or not. You'd be fooling everybody, including your wife. God knows it. And in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 says, just as man is destined to die once, and after that to face judgment. God knows. You fool all the people you want. So what happens when somebody comes to you and tells you that they're sinning? What do you espouse to them? Kindness. Kindness? Is that what's going to happen on the day of judgment? No. 
Ezekiel 33, 8, 9. See, most Christians burn incense at the altar of worldly kindness and worldly love instead of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's what Ezekiel 33, 8, 9 says. When I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you will surely die. And you do not speak out to dissuade him from his ways. That wicked man will die for his sin, and I will hold you accountable for his blood. Whoops. That's why, you, that's, that's why you have James chapter three, verse one. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. You got pastors telling people who wants to have a fresh start and a new beginning and no repentance of sin, no conversion. He will be held accountable for the blood in that room. Because he lied to them from the pulpit of the church of God. But if you do warn the wicked wicked man, verse 9, to turn from his ways and he does not do so, he will die for his sin. But you will have saved yourself. Nobody's going to be able to accuse me of that. There will be people that walk up to me in heaven and will say, thank you. I'll finish with this. I thought it was all about discussing my growth as a Christian. Growth as a Christian. How do you decide that? How do you know whether you're growing? Shout it out. Somebody said it. Fruit. Any other way? No. No. Fruit. The example I always use is when I played football in college. We used to meet every Sunday. I'd go to church to let everybody go to church because everyone didn't hate Jesus back then. So we all went to church. We would meet around one in the afternoon. College football is a full-time job. We met there and you were there for five, six hours watching film play by play. And you knew it too. You sit there and you all break off into your groups and you're sitting there with your 30 other guys and you knew your play was coming. The one where you fell down, (laughs) tripped over yourself, blew up the entire play humiliated yourself, whatever it may be, you knew it was coming because we used to say it, the eye in the sky does not lie. Fruit is it. You're not growing without it. How does it make sense? How does, it, how does any, any plant grow without fruit? They don't. You even see those, I don't know what they are that are in my yard. There's these things, they look like a potato. You know what I'm talking about? My dog picks them up and runs around with them. I don't know what they are, but that's seed. That's actually a fruit off a tree. It's seed that goes and makes those more of those trees. You're not growing unless there's fruit, period. Well, I feel it on the inside. There's got to be fruit. And it'll tell you one way or the other. If your wife hates you, you're a lousy husband. Unless she's just the worst person on the planet, which there really isn't, there are hardly any of those. I met a few, Megan Mar- Marples or whatever her name is, Markle, met a few of those ignorant wretches a few times in my life with most people. They're agreeable if you're not absolutely horrible to them. If every time your wife speaks, you jump down her case, you're a jerk. Look at me, look, go ahead, look at me. You think I'm afraid of you? I'm not afraid of you at all. You're a jerk. Knock it off. You don't have to do this every time somebody talks. She's having a discussion with you about what you want for dinner, clown show. Just show her some respect. You're welcome. I told you. Marriage counseling from the pulpit. So worship team, make your way up here. I'll finish right here. Three minutes over. With no fruit. Are you growing? Let's look. Luke, Luke chapter 6, verse 43 and 44, last two verses of today. For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree. Everybody shout every. Every. One more time with fervency. Every. Every tree is known by its fruit. That's it. You're not growing unless it's there. That's exactly where we're at. So how do you, how do you grow? Dispel unbelief. It's about the most unexciting thing in the world for Christians, and it's very sad that it is. 
as if I told you there was a concert with this name or that name, people would get excited. Or this person's coming to preach or that person's coming to preach and people get excited. You study the Bible and you dispel unbelief, you'll see doors that you never knew existed because you don't believe they exist right now. You dispel that unbelief and you watch and see what happens in your life. That's all that it takes and you will see fruit because this is what? Parable of the sower, what is the word? It is seed and the word of God never returns void. You plant in the ground, it's coming up. It's coming up. Amen? Stand with me, everybody. Thank you for listening to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope that you have been encouraged and empowered. If you would like to partner with us, please visit foundationchurchfl.com and click on Give.